Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to episode 145 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk to Olympic trial marathoner Erica Whites about seven tips for race week. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got the Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational and let the marathon running podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond hey runners what's going on i'm your host letty and i'm ryan and you're listening to the marathon running podcast thank you for tuning in so what are we talking about today so today we brought in Olympic trial marathoner Erica Whites. She is super fast. She is a coach. She's currently helping me with my uh, broken leg recovery by keeping me happy and healthy and mentally seen through aqua jogging. And like I said, she has a lot of experience coaching and a lot of athletes. So she's giving some tips for runners on what to do for race week, but also a little bit beyond race week. Just, you know, seven tips that will make you a probably better marathoner we love tips on this podcast we do love tips our listeners can't get enough of them so particularly we're going to talk about hydration and electrolytes we are going to talk about movement throughout the day we're going to talk about foam rolling nutrition we're going to talk about watch hacks we're going to talk about race pacing and we're going to talk about visualization and self-care. So it's a it's a great mix of different things that we can do throughout our training, but especially the week before the marathon to just do better. So how's your ankle healing? So the ankle is healing. I feel like I'm ready to run, but you're telling me I'm not because it's only been two weeks into a broken bone and not six. Yeah, you should wait longer. Yeah. I'm glad you're feeling better, though. Feeling much better. So how's your aqua jogging training going? <laughs> Mentally, the aqua jogging is super helpful. How many miles do you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, time-wise, I'm doing a few hours at a time, which uh, is, is a lot. But, you know, people always say aqua jogging is so boring. But my comeback to that is, <laughs> what about the treadmill? The treadmill seems to be much worse. Might depend on how cold the water is, though. That's true. That's true. Luckily for us, we have the community pool of my parents. And their retirement community likes waters at 85 degrees. Actually, it's 89. Ooh, see how it's even <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty hot in that water. And uh, well, I'm enjoying it, you know. I go there really early. I feel like my life has a purpose again. <laughs> so it's uh, it's helpful. Your life's purpose is now aqua jogging. It is. It is. Keeps me happy and mentally saying i think you were saying that when i didn't run for a while you uh, were th considering divorce that's one of those sports i'm gonna ignore the divorce comment but because that's the safest thing for me to do but that's one of those sports that's like in the olympics and they're like 
trying to make it aqua jogging and people are like, that's not a real sport. I don't know how you could compete, <laughs> right? Like, how do you compete? How much water do you heart move rate? with your body or heart rate? <laughs> which heart rate is like a big board with everyone's heart rate on it. I'm trying to get their heart rate up. Well, there's different ways of aqua jogging, right? There's some where you keep afloat and then you're supposed to jog in place. I somehow always end up doing laps. Um, and then there's others. <laughs> there's others where you're supposed to actually run on the ground or the pool. Oh, but I know why. It's because one foot's broken. What I really want to know, though, is do you wear a headband? I don't wear a headband, but I do wear my aftershocks. And no, In the water? Yeah. Really? I got to keep the head up. I can't go under because my are not waterproof and i'm gonna beep out the brand name because i'm not sponsored by aqua shocks aqua shocks i mean sorry (laughs) until they decide to sponsor us (laughs) and without any further ado we're now going to play our interview with erica whites all right so i'm here with erica whites erica thank you so much for joining me thank you so much for having me letty Great. Let's introduce you with what you do and tell us a little bit about your running and how you are an expert in this area. All right. Well, my name is Erica. I live in DeLeon Springs, Florida, which is one hour north of Orlando. And I'm a running coach. I'm a running competitor my whole life. I um, ran in middle school, high school, college, uh, beyond college. And I ended up uh, chasing a dream for five years of qualifying for the Olympic Trials Marathon in 2020. And I finally did it. And now I am training to qualify for 2024 and helping my athletes to reach their goals and crush their expectations. That's awesome. Huge congratulations. Uh, And can you maybe tell us about some of your PRs just to kind of paint a picture in people's heads? Yeah, sure. So um, I guess the marathon would be like my best, um, my best distance. And that would be my PR is um, chip time of 241.54. Um, and then the gun time is 242.02. Um, then I also have my half marathon PR is a 117.58. My 5K is a 16.59. Uh, 10K, 35.32. And uh, I guess those are the, the basics. Yeah, probably five mile PRs in a half marathon. Usually I, I'm better at the longer distances, but um, yeah, try to mix it up. And the shorter distances help you for the longer distances too. So help you with that speed. That's awesome. So credibility has been established. And um, you and I met because, well, we met at a half marathon when you're pacing a group. And then we connected. You're currently helping me through my injury with aqua jogging and all kinds of fun workouts. And now that I'm in your group, you have reached out to everyone and given us seven tips on how to approach your race weekend. And so maybe we can go into that and talk about what those tips are. Yeah, that sounds good. I know, um, you know, I have people ask me all the time, like, what can I do differently for race week and really want to practice like all of these things um, throughout your training um, as well as race week. But then, you know, of course, race week you can focus a little more on them. Absolutely. And I'm, so let's start with hydration. So what are your recommendations for hydration? And then also maybe specify what do you recommend for the whole during the training plan versus for the days or week leading up to the marathon? Yeah, that's good. So basically with hydration, you know, you're always going to get the scientific explanation. And sometimes it's kind of hard to remember, like, you know, depending on how much you weigh, this, how much you should drink. Um, so my best motto would be, always have a water bottle on you. And I actually carry a half gallon jug with me everywhere I go. 
Um, but then I also have other water bottles on me too. So people might think I'm crazy, but I usually have like three or four water bottles on me at all times. <laughs> and I'm like switching off between drinking them. Like um, I'll drink, I'll be sipping on maybe my energy fizz and I'll have some water to balance it out. Then, you know, if I did a long run over an hour, I might have some electrolytes. Um, and then at night, I might be sipping on some more electrolytes. So um, I would say like the most important thing to do is you never want to be thirsty. Um, and you want to make sure that you're like consistent with with your intake. Um, a good way to test it is if your pee is like pale, pale yellow, that means you should be pretty hydrated. Um, if it's like clear, that means you might actually be overhydrated. And that's a thing too. Um, and then if it's like really dark, dark color, dark yellow or orange, and you know, you're way dehydrated and dehydration can lead to some pretty terrible things. Like, you know, I've been seeing people like end up in the hospital from it. Um, and you know, living in Florida, we have to make sure we're even extra hydrated because it's so hot out. Um, some people are heavier sweaters than others. They need to hydrate even more. Um, so overall, I would say like always have water on you and then have at least one to two, um, different forms or forms of electrolytes each day. Um, salt is really good for that too. Um, so I put salt on all my food, iodized salt, because that iodine gives you the good mineral that you need. And yeah, there's so much I can say. Um, like the, I know they say the National Academy of Sciences, they recommend like 2.7 liters a day for a woman and 3.7 liters a day for a man. Um, and that may not seem like a lot. So that's like for an average person. But if you're running, you need even more than that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And uh, I want to come back to one of the things that you said and mentioned to me before. You recommend two different types of electrolytes. Um, why is that? Oh, um, actually, I said two different types. I like to mix it up with different types of electrolytes. I mean, if you like a certain brand, you can use that. Um, I have like my Arbon brand that I love. And then I also like to have different types of hydration to mix it up. So like LMNT is a really good one. Um, that one has a lot of salt in it. Um, so that would be good for like, you know, if you're doing like a really long workout um, or after workout, then there's a like noon is really light. So I like to sip on that when I'm like doing a hard workout or maybe before a race. Um, it's light, but it also gives you those electrolytes that you need. And then like if you're in a marathon, like something like Gatorade or something with like sugar and carbs uh, would be really good. And then let's say before a race or be before every race, um, I practice kind of what I would before a marathon which is I drink scratch nutrition and that has like a good balance of carbs and electrolytes um, because your body's just burning at such a fast rate that you need to make sure you're replenishing not just your electrolytes, but your carbohydrates as well. And that goes into the next uh, nutrition, which is another, another factor that you have to focus or you want to focus on race week. Yes, absolutely. And that is exactly my tip number two, or I guess your tip number two that I'm regurgitating. So your tip number two is carbohydrates. And you also talk about fruits and veggies. Can you go into that? Yeah. So I'm not a registered dietitian, just, just so you know, but I'm a certified nutritionist and I just have a lot of experience when it comes to, you know, nutrition. If I have an athlete who needs like more specific, uh, like nutrition guidelines, or maybe they need more measurements, like I definitely refer them to a registered dietitian. Um, but my like basic tips that I would give you for nutrition is um, carbohydrates are your main source of energy. So that's something you want to make sure that you're always incorporating into each meal. And when it comes down to race week, like let's say before a marathon, like two weeks before, you want to focus on having um, at least, and it also depends on how, you know, how much you weigh, if you're, um, everything like that. But you want to make sure you're having at least uh, a good amount of carbohydrates with each meal. So like carbo loading doesn't mean like 
just the night before you eat like seven bowls of pasta, um, then you might get sick. <laughs> so you want to make sure that you're having like, um, you know, a steady amount of carbohydrates throughout the day. So for me, I like measure out um, one to one and a half cups, let's say of like either rice. Um, and I like to eat easily digestible carbohydrates race week. Um, and I also do the same thing before a hard workout, before a race or before a long run. I treat those like I would, let's say race week. So I'd stick with more like jasmine, white rice, um, oats is another one, um, like maybe rice pasta, rice noodle pasta. Um, and then like the more complex carbohydrates, like the brown rice, uh, quinoa, those are a little bit harder to digest. So I'll save those for maybe after my hard run workout or like after race week. But race week, I try to keep it like as simple as possible. And um, I have a crazy stomach. A lot of people can handle like white bread. Um, that's an easily digestible carb. I can't usually handle that too well. So I stick with like the oats um, and the jasmine rice for the most part. Um, so that carbohydrates are so, so important. Um, you burn it up so fast and you need to keep replenishing. And then we have protein too. And protein is important. Um, whether you're plant-based or not, um, if you are, then you got to make sure you spend a little extra time and making sure that you're getting that right protein. Um, I like to eat red meat. Um, luckily, I'm fortunate to live on a bison farm. Um, I'm sorry for vegetarians out there. <laughs> but um, I, there's always an abundant supply of bison. Um, but I also have to be careful because that can upset the stomach. So like race week, I wouldn't eat the red meat. I would usually save that for after or like if I'm doing a hard workout or long run. I would maybe have it like three or four days before or like right after I do a long run workout. And, um, and fruits and veggies. That's the other one we're talking about. Um, those are really important, you know, for your health, um, antioxidants. Um, when I have during race week, I have to make sure that I'm keeping the vegetables simple too. Um, so I do like sauteed spinach, maybe, um, sauteed zucchini, yellow squash. I try to cook all my vegetables and not have raw unless it's like cucumbers or tomatoes. I could do that. It's easily digestible, but like the starchy veggies, like, um, Brussels sprouts, asparagus, cauliflower, broccoli, those kind of vegetables, I'll try to avoid race week. And I'll usually have those like after my big run, hard workout, long run rather than before. So I don't upset my stomach. So I always tell people like, if I can handle it with my crazy stomach, then most likely you can handle it too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, you know, that kind of goes along with your recommendation to find yourself some kind of gel that works that you can use during the marathon as well, right? Yeah, gel is so important during the run. And some people like chews instead. Um, usually like three or four chews will equal one gel depending on the chew. So if you do choose, you have to have more. Um, but yeah, what's your favorite gel? I just discovered Huma Gel and I've been a fan of Morton, but I kind of got bored with Morton. So Huma Gel is something I think you recommended it to me too. And I'm liking the lemon flavor a lot. Nice. Nice. Yeah. You know, a lot of people do like the Huma. I've tried it a couple times. I'm like a big fan of Honey Stinger, I think because I love honey so much. Um, and I know that like Honey Stinger I had in my best marathon. So I have that in my head. Like I love it that <laughs> much. Um, but yeah, it's good to try different ones to see like what you like nothing new on race day or nothing new race week either. Um, so anything you want to do the week of your race or the day before or, the, or day of, you always want to practice before and making sure you gain those gels like every, you know, 30 to 45 minutes, depending on your speed. 
Absolutely. So let's talk about some other tips that you have. Movement during the day, not sitting too long. I'm assuming that's for your entire training period. You just want that as a habit. Can you tell us why you think that makes more sense? Yeah. Um, well, a lot of times if you're sitting in one place for so long, um, everything kind of tightens up. Um, I know a lot of people that sit for long periods of time experience pain like their lower back. Um, so, you know, you don't want to do anything for too long. So um, that's why it's good to like maybe set an alarm for every like 20 to 30 minutes and get up and take some breaks like during the day. Cause I know we get focused and a lot of us have to sit down for our jobs. Um, and so that's important, but it's good to like make sure you're getting that like mobility in there too. So some people even do like 10 push ups or do some leg swings in the middle of uh, maybe every 30 minutes or so just to get the body moving and then go back down to sitting. Cause you know, relaxing is important too. But um, you just have to have that balance. So I always tell people don't sit or stand for too long. Yeah. And in today's society, when we sit down, we really can't sit too long because our attention spans are pretty short these days. So I find myself just naturally, my work is from home. I get up a lot, walk to the kitchen and get some water. I never have the water next to me. So I have to get up and kind of move around a bit. So I, I like that tip a lot because I feel like it you know, keeps you kind of going. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Definitely. And then mobility is like, very, very important, but you can go into that too. Yeah. So, well, mobility and foam rolling, Epsom salt, all that, maybe you can touch on that whole, uh, let's call it the self-care section yeah. of this. <laughs> yeah. Self-care is so, so important with running. It's not just the running, it's how you recover from your run. So, you know, the best way to recover is to take care of yourself. And um, when you, I was actually listening to um, to a video earlier and said that when you foam roll before you run, um, it actually increases your mobility, like in the short term. Um, but it also helps you like, you know, so you're able to move more fluidly throughout your run. And then you do better in your run, you feel better in your run, you're going to recover faster for the next run. Um, so I do mobility and foam rolling, have my athletes do it also before and after every run. Um, and sometimes like, it's the last thing you want to do when you just finish running 10 or 20 miles um, and you just want to go take a shower and, you know, you just want to go take a nap or eat some food. Um, so sometimes what I'll do is like, I'll take a quick shower and then I'll do my mobility. If I feel like, you know, really sweaty and kind of gross, I don't want to like lay down all like that. Um, or sometimes depending on where I am, like if I drive somewhere to run, I'll bring a yoga mat and I'll just get it done right there. Uh, Cause if you wait, you might not do it. And you want to make sure you're, you know, rolling out those muscles. If you foam roll um, after you run, it really decreases the, um, the DOMS, you know, delayed onset muscle soreness. Um, so you won't feel as sore as you would if you didn't do it. Um, it's crazy because I'm so sore right now. And I like foam rolled like for 20, 30 minutes today. <laughs> but um, that's kind of the thing about marathon training. You're always sore. But I'm like, I'm this sore now. Imagine how sore I'd be if I didn't foam roll and do that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, and then Epsom salt baths. What is oh, yeah. what do those do? Yeah, so um Epsom salt it kind of it has magnesium in it. Um so it's good for like um relieving like inflammation um and just like it really makes your body you feel a difference after you get out of like a 20 minute Epsom salt bath. Um so what I like to do is I like to fill we luckily have a hot tub, so I'll fill the hot tub up with Epsom salt. Um and since I live on a farm, well, I'm very fortunate. Um, if anyone needs Epsom salt, let me know. Um, my boyfriend buys these 55 pound bags of Epsom salt that he uses for the farm. Um, so I'll take, uh, you know, maybe like a couple, uh, oh gosh, maybe like 
I kind of guesstimate, but I'll kind of pour some Epsom salt into the hot tub. But you know, you can do it in the bathtub. Um, and you want to use some people say four pounds. Um, I think some people do two cups, anywhere in between there. Um, you just take just sit in Epsom salt bath for about 20, 30 minutes at the most. Um, and it just kind of helps to relieve that tension. And, um, you know, it does do some physical like relief and, you know, relieves some inflammation. But I think a lot of it, it, it does do some mental too, because it's relaxing. Um, and it kind of, if you do it before bed, it relaxes you, helps you sleep better. Um, so that's really good. And I did Epsom salt bath every single day for one month before I ran my best marathon. So, you know, I always say like, it worked for me. So go for it. Try it out. I definitely think it's good for like before a hard race or after a hard run. That's a great idea. You know, I've never heard about putting Epsom salt into the hot tub. We have a hot tub as well. So I'm going to be, I guess, shopping for the big bags because I know I know two cups in the hot tub won't do anything. <laughs> no, yeah, you need a bigger ones. And also make sure you drain it like after four days because it could ruin like the hot tub. You don't want that to happen. Um, so maybe like three to four days later, drain it and refill it. Um, so then that way you don't like destroy the the lining of the hot tub or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And then, um, you know, for the way that you foam roll, is there a specific method or should you just kind of roll on that roller? How do people figure out how to foam roll best? Yeah, good question because there's uh, more effective ways of foam rolling. Um, it also depends on how tight your muscles are. Um, so I provide like foam rolling videos of myself foam rolling for my athletes so they can see how it's done. Um, but really you want to like, you want to get like your whole body onto the roller and you're kind of laying down and it could be an awkward position. Um, but it really does. It does a good job. And then you kind of use gravity to get like that force into you. Um, and some people, for some people, it's just too much. Um, and sometimes I'll put like, you know, my other leg on the ground and then I'll lay down my quad onto the foam roller and I'll like roll up and down. Um, if I want to get like a more intense foam roll, then I'll lift the other leg up. So like all my pressure is on that one quad. But I think if you're, um, if you're just starting off foam rolling, um, just ease into it. Um, and there's like a lot of different methods of more effective foam rolling. Um, if you have somebody actually foam roll you out, that that's the most effective, but you don't always have like an extra person there to help you foam roll. Um, that's how I first learned about foam rolling was a personal trainer. Like she gave me like a foam rolling session back in 2013. I was like, Oh my gosh, I should have known about this in college, but they didn't even, they didn't really teach us in college. Crazy. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no, no that's and, awesome. We'll uh, we'll link your videos if that's okay with you at the um, you know, at the at the bottom of my show notes. And yeah. then um, let's hop into another amazing hack that I just heard about today, which is the setting your watch for every half mile that it beeps. One, yeah. how do you even do that? Is that just a feature on the Garmin? And then two, does it really help you? Yeah. So um, I. And different garments are different. I'm not the most tech savvy, but I'm learning. Um, so there's a way that you can go into your garment and, you know, change the lap split to where it splits every half mile. Um, but you also want to make sure that it tells you what that half mile split is. Um, and so right now I had someone show me how to do that on my garment, um, but it doesn't tell me what my half mile split is. It just beeps. So that doesn't help as much. Um, so if you can get it to where it tells you your split, like, um, and then that way, you know, if you're trying to maintain like, let's just say a seven minute mile, you know that every every uh, half mile should be at 3.30. Um, and if it's under 3.30, that means you can kind of like, you know, not too much relax, but relax a little bit for that second half to make sure you round it out. Um, and if you're going like way too slow, you know, you have to like 
pick up your rhythm and just pick up pace a little bit for that second half. Um, and it's something that some people might find it annoying because your watch beeps more. Um, but I find it really helpful because you're able to like maintain a more steady pace. And I think if you practice with it and practice, like it'll just naturally, you'll just naturally feel that pace um, better in a race. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like kilometers, I guess, in that sense that you just get reminded more often and, and it's something to help your mind power through something and maintain the pace and not get distracted too much, I guess. Yeah, you can do it. You can set it on kilometers too, if you want. Um, or like if you're used to kilometers, that might be, that might be better than setting it to every mile. Um, and it's more frequent too. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. So let's move on to another tip of yours, which is the importance of a pace plan. I'm sorry, so race like, plan. <laughs> pace plans. Yeah, they're both good. Um, <laughs> yes, that is so important because um, like when I graduated college, um, I started doing marathons like after after college and I didn't have a coach for the first four years. I would just run like, you know, however I like by feel and I'd always go out too fast. Um, and then my last mile would always be my slowest. And it, it was just crazy. And like I ran decent times, but I could run way faster if I had a plan. Um, so that's why I like having a coach to help me with the plan. I always like to help my athletes with a race plan. So knowing what your pace is, like based on your workouts, based on what you train for, um, knowing about what your goal marathon pace or half marathon or whatever the race is should be um, so that you can plan accordingly. Like for a half marathon and a marathon, I mentioned, um, you'll benefit from going out like and they say in a marathon, like 3% slower in the first half um, and then running a negative split marathon. And that's tough for a lot of people to do. Um, but that's how most of like some of the best races have been run. Um, so if you know like what your pace is, just going out a little bit slower and then working your way into it. Um, because it's such a long race, you can get away with going out a little easier. Um, but then in a 5K, um, I read that it's actually, it can be more beneficial to go out 3% faster because the race is so short and so fast. And then when I read that, I, I realized, wow, my best 5k, I did go out like a little faster my first mile. Um, and then, you know, you don't slow down too, too much, just kind of, you're kind of redlining the whole time in a 5k. Um, but yeah, just having that race plan, knowing, um, what you're going to go out to do, um, it helps you to make sure the race seems more realistic and then will help you get closer to your goal. Yes, of course. But I think, what happens yeah. to me constantly and probably most other runners is that we do play with that whole negative splitting. And then we end up finding that for some reason we have our burning out happening between 16 and 18. And then inevitably, whether you ran a little bit more conservative in the beginning or not, you still end up burning out. So do you think that's probably just because of something we didn't do in the training or why does that happen so much? Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why it could be like, it could be nutrition. It could be mental. Like, cause you're used to getting to that point and you're like, Oh gosh, this is the point. Um, so really just visualizing yourself, like breaking through that barrier. Um, you know, it could also be something with training cause you never know how, how the training went and everything. Um, like you can, you can train up to 18 miles for a marathon, you know, still be okay for the marathon. Um, but a lot of people, you know, we like to do like 20 or maybe even 22 just to like mentally prepare ourselves for it. Um, but also like, you know, it, depending on, it really depends on so many factors. Um, you don't want to have too short of a cycle training, but also you don't want to have too long of a cycle. So there's a lot of things that can come into play when it comes to, uh, you know, that feeling. Um, when I ran my first marathon, I always heard about the wall and I was afraid that was going to destroy me because everyone always says you hit the wall at mile 20, 
Like my dad was a great marathoner. He told me the same thing. I hit mile 20 and I was like, where's the wall? There's no wall. And so, um, yeah, just thinking about little mental um, tips and like just things you can think about in your head. Like, oh, everyone has this wall, but I'm not going to have it. Um, So it could be a lot mental too. Yeah. And so with that, let's talk about your last tip and the visualization and the mind training and all of that. What do you tell people where to even find enough information? Is there anything people can do along with their marathon program that makes them stronger mentally that obviously goes hand in hand with the training? Yes. The mental aspect of running is almost more than the physical. Like the physical, of course, you have to have with training, but the mental aspect is so, so important. And you have to train your mind just like you train your body. So like during training, um, I'll usually like as a coach, I'll try to set like very realistic goals for um, for my athletes. Like, you know, in in the past, like back in the day when I was uh, coaching high school, I may have like set some very aggressive goals. And then like if the athlete can't reach them, they're like really discouraged and down. Um, So just like knowing where their fitness is at and setting like a, you know, really realistic goal. And then when they hit that goal, they're like, I know I can do this and then consistently hitting it. And then you can gradually like bring the pace down. Um, so I think that's, that's really, really helpful. And, um, just like, you know, maybe you find like a role model, like whether it's a professional athlete you're interested in, or you're, you look up to, or, you know, coach or someone, um, to give you like their, their tips and advice. And like, always remember that like everyone's going through the same type of pain when you're running. Um, some might be worse than others, but it's all about how you handle that pain and you can practice handling that pain in practice. Like when it gets really, really hard. Um, just pushing yourself a little bit more and seeing like how far you can go. Um, when you get yourself used to doing that in practice, like um, mentally and physically, you'll be able to handle it more in the race. So that's really good. And just like imagining yourself um, reaching that goal. So anytime I've ever been successful in a race or like, you know, qualifying for an event or hitting a specific time goal um, or, win- you know, winning a race, I've always imagined like, like every night before I go to sleep, I'll picture myself like breaking the tape, like, how am I going to hold my hands when I break the tape? Uh, am I going to be smiling in the picture? Yes. Um, so I practice that exact, like, like play everything out in your head. Like, um, you know, what you're going to do, how you're going to feel, how you're going to celebrate after. Um, go through all the visualization. Um, and, you know, if it doesn't go according to plan, just like, just keep, keep at it. And um, not everything's going to go according to plan. But um, if you visualize and stay positive, like, you'll have more of a chance of, of doing it. I love it. And I know we'll hear a lot more. Well, hopefully <laughs> we'll hear a lot more tips from you and maybe in the future, dive into some more topics now that we have you on board here and we super appreciate yeah. you um, showing up here and perhaps you can give our listeners your social media and contact informations just so they can reach you if wanted. Oh yeah, definitely. So I um, would love to share more tips. I love, you know, I've been running forever. So I got so many different experiences and would love to help people out. Um, but my social media is Instagram at exclusive Erica. And that's the two E's in the middle. Um, or you can find me on Facebook, Erica White's W E I T Z. Um, and then I'm gonna have a LinkedIn. I don't go on too, too much. Uh, I have a Twitter and never really go on that. But uh, I guess basically Instagram and Facebook would be the ones Instagram probably the most. Absolutely. And we'll link everything in the show notes. And thank you so much for talking with us. Yes. Thanks, Letty. Thanks so much for having me and excited to talk to you and and help you in this journey too. Thanks, Erica, for giving us lots of good tips. Hope people find it useful. 
Yes, I definitely will implement them once I'm back on land <laughs> and uh, running not in place anymore. And uh, if you want to reach Erica, we're going to link her information in our show notes and stay tuned because we'll have her back on. We'll have her back on very soon on an actual podcast about cross training slash aqua jogging. I'm not kidding. We're going to do it. So get your swimsuits ready. Get your swimsuit ready and get your weight belt ready. I mean, I'm sorry, float belt. We don't want to weigh you down on the pool. <laughs> Maybe you do. We do. We kill a bunch of people, right? This is going to be a true crime podcast. Anyway, with that. Have a good week of running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.